thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. Oh, and I'm Cindy O'Meara. Oh, and hello there. <laughs> I was just kind of fading out into the wild blue yonder. <laughs> oh, as you do, as you do. Now, for all of our listeners, you guys will appreciate that we are getting exceptionally tech savvy. So once again, we are doing our recording on Skype, and I just love the convenience of this. It's pretty fabulous. So today, what we thought we were going to talk to you about, I think is is really kind of cool because Kim and Cindy and myself, we've all kind of had a really amazing week, and we've ticked a couple of big goals, like really big things that we've wanted to achieve, we've ticked them off our bucket lists. So we thought bucket lists was going to be a really cool topic to talk about because we've also got our Machu Picchu coming up in 2016 and we thought that we'd sort of, you know, just kind of gloat a little bit about what Machu Picchu is going to be about. But we've had some really cool things happen. I've got something I'm going to share with you guys as breaking news on the Karen Smith front. And Cindy's had some amazing things happen over the weekend. And Kimmy, you've got some bloody awesome shizballs stuff coming up. So let's just like lift the lid. Let's do the big reveal. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll start. Uh, I uh, have been following. For those who don't live in Australia, I think it's good for me to explain who this person is that I've been following. Uh, so I've been following a gentleman by the name of Chef Pete Evans. And Chef Pete Evans is a chef and he's on My Kitchen Rules here in Australia. And I don't watch My Kitchen Rules. But the reason I follow Chef Pete Evans is he has such a passion for food and especially paleo and and the paleo way and the paleo lifestyle. So, you know, I've been following him for quite some time and I had the opportunity to me, as we all did at the Wellness Summit in 2014 uh, down in Melbourne. And I just have to let you know that Karen and Kim wrapped their legs around him. Oh, as one would. <laughs> we won meet Pete Evans. <laughs> um, just to paint a picture, tall, handsome, dark-haired, blue eyes. Uh, Bedroom eyes. <laughs> blue eyes. I, yeah. Yes. And just the nicest, nicest guy you will ever meet. But he has a passion for changing the health of the Australian people. And he is putting a lot of his own finances in uh, making documentaries, making television shows. He's doing one show that's all about how do you cook paleo. He's doing another show on cooking for children in the schoolyards and things like that. So I was asked by uh, Pete if I would like to join him on his Paleo Way Tour. Now, he is doing, I believe, 30 days or 30 nights, and there are some days in there, over the next, like, 60 days all around Australia. Some of them go for a day, some of them go for three hours, just talking about Paleo. So this weekend I got to do the Gold Coast with him as well as Brisbane. We had 300 people on the Gold Coast, 600 people in Brisbane. 
And I'm doing Toowoomba on Tuesday night with him. I haven't heard the numbers that are there. As well as filming at an organic turkey place, we're going to do, do some cooking. So here I am working with this, this amazing, passionate man. And just being on the stage with him was uh, an incredible experience. Not, not like you guys. Mm-hmm. Not like, no, you are incredible, but a little bit different because he was male and has blue eyes and he's tall, dark and handsome. And he kept touching her. <laughs> and he kept I'll just say, Keza, he kept touching her. Oh, he's only but human. He's, 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 a, he's a kinesthetic. He loves to touch. He's just this, yeah, this beautiful man. It, the, the whole thing was so well put together because what he did was it was a day of cooking and I would come in and I'd talk about fats and Dr. Libby, who we will be interviewing, uh, Dr. Libby came in and, and she talked about, oh, my gosh, everything. Oh my God. And she was amazing, everything and anything on biochemistry. She's, like, got a doctorate in biochemistry. And then there was a, a beautiful lady by the name of Helen who's very much into getting the gut right, as we all are, but she really talked about the gut. Uh, oh, Libby talked on fermentation, that's right, and... We, we, um, Helen talked on the gut. And then there was the beautiful Charlotte Carr. Mm. Charlotte Carr had a story and a half to tell. She talked about her young boy who had stemming, you know, and up to 10 hours a day he would be stemming, which is oh, wow. getting your hands and just, you know, grabbing them and, and pushing them and grabbing them out, you know, pushing in and out and in and out, hitting his head. Mm. Most amazing story. And she changed his diet to paleo. Now, Every single one of these presenters get flack, including me, as you know. Just get enormous amounts of flack saying the the diets that we suggest is dangerous. And just so everybody knows, the only diet that we all suggest is a real food diet. And it was really wonderful to be in a, a room full of 600 people who all were there to learn about cooking. I saw one of the comments on Pete's page this morning and it said, all I did was go and learn. I wanted to learn about how to cook better, but I walked away from there realising I have to rethink what I'm eating. So there were some powerful comments about it. The, The bucket list, I guess, for me was to speak on the stage with such a passionate person as Pete Evans. He has a following of, I think, 600,000-plus on his Facebook page. Mm -hmm. So he's no small fry here in Australia for all our international listeners. He is quite um, an amazing trailblazer and, got to admit, being on on the way he he, he, um, eats, he looks pretty good. Would you say, Kim? Um, I'm just saying that him and Luke Hines, oh, yeah, that's, Lukey. That's the Luke <laughs> Hines personal trainer, I did hug oh. them both just to make sure they walked their talk. <laughs> mm. And I can report they drew. Oh, nice. I had spoken to Luke a couple of years ago about, you know, getting exercise and food together, but we never, you know, we never got it together. And now, you know, he's with Pete, you know, so I, I missed out there. But... I watched him cook on that stage. Two men in the kitchen cooking on that stage the whole time. It was it was beautiful to watch, and I was just mesmerized by what Luke did on that stage. So, yeah, I forgot to say, Luke, how did I forget his him out of that? <laughs> yeah, tall, blonde, blue eyed. Is he blue eyed? Was he blue-eyed? totally and muscly and, and handsome and, and just gorgeously, yes. just okay. fabulous. Yeah. So, so what did they cook? What did they cook on the stage? Well, the first thing they, we did was stocks. 
Um, so all bone broths, and he talked about how to make different ones like fish broths and and stocks and beef and lamb and all all of our um, animals that we have in in the wild. You know, all of those ones were he was talking about, and that was the first thing he did. And then it was really good. Luke um, said. All you do is pull all the juices out and instead of having your cup of coffee in the morning, have um, a bit of turmeric and I think he, and salt. I think that's all he put in. It mm-hmm. was turmeric and salt. So at lunchtime, after they'd made the stock, they'd been making the stocks all weekend, but after they'd made the stock, I actually pulled it out, put some turmeric and some salt in it and had it for lunch. And I've got to admit, it was beautiful because I usually just have stock by itself. Right. But he said, just add this and do some seasoning. And it was beautiful. And, and Kimmy, after the the day, decided that she was going to today. Come on, Kimmy, tell us. Oh, tell my, us God. oh my God, are you going to eat meat? What do you mean, what was I going to do today? Well, she had made a plan that she was going to not drink coffee today and no <laughs> sugar and that she would do stocks and... Um, <laughs> For everybody to know, I just shared that with you. No, I'm not sharing that because they'll think I'm an absolute loser. It was, it was so cute. <laughs> no, go, go, go. Are you, are you eating meat, Kimmy? <laughs> oh look I went I left so inspired came home and watered my beautiful um, herb garden and said to Taylor because it's only her and I at home at the moment and I said that's it uh, no sugar no coffee no processed anything for the next 10 weeks you and we're brothing it though. I know I know but yeah, I just yeah. said, you know that's our goal that's the whole yeah. philosophy around paleo and today so far I've had two coffees oh. uh, one of the it's one of the girls birthdays at work so we had to have chocolate chia cake and I've had two and a half, a half, nearly three pieces of that because I didn't bring lunch. And so I'm figuring that I'll need to start tomorrow. Oh, you're hilarious. <laughs> it was just so funny how she said it to me. Oh, well, I, I bet that that was probably two-thirds of the population in there would have had a really good reason not you know, to make changes. And then I think the key to that is one must be organised and ready. That, that, that's really what I took from it. And I made the decision at 7 o'clock last night that that's how we were going and woke up this morning and realised I had no food in the house, nothing to make stock with, and then was in such a rush that I thought, I'll just have one of my keto coffees, and that's got me through breakfast. And then I got to work and everyone was having coffee and cake. I mean, you've got to partake in these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway. it, it was so inspiring. And I can't believe she told you all this. <laughs> well, it was inspiring, and it made her want to change. But the thing is, is that Kim does everything brilliantly anyway. <laughs> and it was just tweaking. That was all Kim was doing. And, yeah. and it was really funny in the office. The conversation in our office was, we're all going to do what Pete was talking about. And Pete is very strict. Pete is meat and veg. Um, and he even admitted yesterday that he's not even eating hardly any nuts. So he's meat, veg, a few berries and seeds. Yeah, um, Karen, on stage. Apart, but apart from what he's eating on my kitchen rules, though. Oh, um, yeah. Well, he yeah, talked that's about only, that. That's only minimal. Yeah. And as he said, he's not about, this is what I love about him. You know, even people like us in the sense that, yes, I would love to eat organic every day, clean and never eat cake maybe and do all those things. But the reality <laughs> is every now and again, you know, like it's – I think what happens when you get really clean and lean with your diet, those little things don't matter. And as he said, 
he does that for the television show and it's not about that he's so left-wing that he ever stuffs up. He chooses to or not to put that in his body. It's not that he can't, yeah. that he shouldn't or anything like that. And that was a major mm. aha for me. Mm. That so many people think they have to be boxed into being a certain way. And, you know, like I would say Cindy is paleo. Like if you look at paleo as a philosophy, Cindy is paleo. You're paleo, Karen, and I'm paleo. Paleo is basically functional eating and moving, eating real food and really adhering to a healthy um, belief of self-care and honouring the planet and, and the environment. And there's, there's a philosophy rather than a you can or can't eat this. But I appreciate the likes of Pete Evans is someone, you know, it's like we need these real left-wingers, if you like, or people that really are incredibly strict around it to understand what your boundaries are and, I'm, and what he advocates is is a, is a way of living and having by being him being that way, it makes you think about your own philosophy. And that's what I love about him. Mm. He's a beautiful role model. Mm. That, that's what he is. And he's he's tweaking his body all the time. He, oh, we tweaked it too, Justin. I know that was coming. Oh my god! You know, he's just one of those genuine human beings, and the and the. Excuse me, he called me Kimbo. Kimbo. Oh, oh no! Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they're, they're like him. And well, that now we can go off me, and we can actually now him because Kim is actually going to be with him in New Zealand um, on the on the Paleo Way show with Chef Pete Evans and Luke Hines. It's well, Kimmy, just, congratulations! I know, I'm so excited because. You know, Yvette, who runs Earth Events and everything, she sort of said to me, well, it was actually Dr. Brett Hill originally that said, you know, you're going to be in New Zealand, why don't you come and be a part of Pete's show? And then I put it in my diary that night because I thought, okay, I'll just email him and say I want to be part of your show. I didn't. But um, I wrote it in my vision board. I meditated on it. And the next, no, it wasn't the next day. It was three days later I got an email from the event organisers saying, we hear you might be in New Zealand. Would you be interested? Oh, wow. And, um, yeah. and then I just freaked and then went, well, actually, I happened to be over there on a holiday with my family and then they said Auckland on the 28th, Wellington on the 29th. Now, I knew I'd be in Wellington on the 29th, but now I'm flying up to be there on the 28th, which happens to be my birthday. So what an honour and a privilege mm. to be speaking. And you know what I feel so proud of is that my beautiful Kiwi followers and those that have followed me for a long, long time will know that. I have worked very hard and very, very um, with intent. And when I say hard, I just mean staying committed. You know, I've never given up. Persistent. Persistent. Mm -hmm. And to actually, you know, it's a funny thing in New Zealand, and and I think it's the same in Australia, you you send through these media releases and you say what you're doing and people are kind of like interested, but it's not world-breaking unless you're some incredible... But now the fact that I'm coming with an Australian contingency, they're now interested in what I'm doing over here. And it's the same for Australians. It's not until they get American um, media coverage that the Australians go, oh, we've got this amazing megastar in front of us. I don't think countries really honour their their true hero international recognition which is a bizarre way of looking at it full stop but regardless I'm very proud very excited and then, and then Pete goes Kimbo because we're we might on the first time, you know. How gorgeous. Me. I do have a photo of everyone looking at the camera but he is looking at me so I will post that for <laughs> up for a um, but 
he's whispering, looks like looking down at me and he goes, so what are we going to do in New Zealand, Kimbo? And I said, well, I don't know, but, you know, we're all about real food. How about I do some real food skincare? And he goes, absolutely. And, and I said, and how about we do masks? And how about I put them on you on stage? And he's gone, you're on, let's do it. <laughs> oh, isn't that fabulous? It just, you know what was so beautiful, Karen, as you'd probably appreciate it, when you're in the audience as a part of that, I felt so, so proud of our Cindy and just so excited that here she was on a stage that she was representing what we've all believed is up for a chat following just who she is and she shined like you wouldn't believe oh, i can only imagine and, oh my god i was sitting there with these tears in my eyes just going that's my girl up there and <laughs> And then she mentioned me in 28 three times throughout her talks and I just sat there going, wow, she's talking about me. And from that, I had people come up to me saying, oh, my God, you're the Kim Morrison. Oh, my God, we listened to Up For A Chat. And, and someone came up to me and, and said how you use 28 and how inspired you are by me, Karen and Cindy. I just want to say to you, that's exactly how we feel sitting in those audiences with those people. So for you to think that of us is so incredibly humbling. And those of you that spoke to me, was it was just beautiful. So thank you so much. Yeah, it, it was. We had lots of people coming up and um, a lot came from the Sunshine Coast. So for those who live away from here, um, Australia, we the three of us live on the Sunshine Coast. And I, I would have said 50% of that audience that went down to Brisbane were from the Sunshine Coast. I, I had this beautiful couple come up to me afterwards and said, you're on the Sunshine Coast? We live on the Sunshine Coast. And uh, they were talking about their daughter, who was a special needs uh, daughter. And I said, what's the problem? And they said, there's no diagnosis. They, they, they don't know. They don't know what's wrong. They don't know why she's not thriving. And I, all I said to them was, I said, well, what's her gut like? And they said, atrocious. I said, there's your starting point. So, you know... These people um, came, most of these people came to watch Pete and Dr. Libby, Helen, um, beautiful Charlotte um, Carr and, and myself were given the opportunity. It, and this is what I love about Pete. Pete gives people opportunity. He's not in it for himself. Otherwise, he wouldn't, he'd be the only one up on the stage. He talked about it. He made sure we were allowed to talk about our product. He was, he was amazing, absolutely giving the whole way. He wants, it's not about him. He is about saving Australia. And um, I felt honoured to be associated with a man that is like that, you know, mm. willing to give away as much as he wants, as he can. Like just, yeah, very, very happy. So that was my bucket list. I think there's nothing more inspiring and I think that's probably why most of the people would have walked away from that event feeling like on cloud nine because they were in the presence of people who just wanted to serve, just wanted to give and rather than being in the presence of people who were just there to sell and take and I think that there's a huge shift happening. Um, I certainly feel it in my circles in that a lot of people are starting to really, really shift the direction. And the ones that don't, you can see it a mile away. And the, the whole... Interesting. Yeah, the it's whole... such a different feeling, Karen. You're absolutely right. When you go to an event, I appreciate people selling to me in the sense of 
please, I want more of you. Where can I get more of you? How do I get more of you? Because I've been inspired by what you say. And, and you know, I've had many coaches and speech coaches say to me, unless you let people know what you've got, how do they know? So I really value that. But what I love is when it's done with a, a place of let's tell everybody what you're about because there's a mutual love and respect of what each other's messages are, then the audience feels that integrity, the the organisers feel it, and all there is at the end of it is a sense of love and appreciation with, without being without sounding too airy. It's just such a – it was very gracious, Karen. You would have loved it. Mm. I wish I'd been there. You guys have got to tell me when you've got those things going on and then I can come too. Well, next year he wants to do my spirit. Oh, he's just – that, Say you know, that again, Cindy, because you cut out there. What, well, he wants to do what, sorry? Next year he wants to do mind and spirit. So last year he did the science behind paleo. This year he's doing the practicalities of paleo, like how do we cook and how do we do these things and how easy it is. And next year he wants to do mind and spirit. So, Miss Smith, you will need to get your act into gear and tell him. <laughs> I will be emailing him this afternoon. Consider it done. <laughs> Best in person, best touch him when you tell him. <laughs> Do you know how proud I feel? I, I, it's just hitting me that that we get to enjoy meeting these people and being a part of their philosophy. I mean, they're people that we follow. They're people that inspire us. And, you know, I, I, I am so not taking this for granted how much this podcast has done for us personally, which in turn allows us to help more people and more importantly, allows us to be a part of things that just are beyond our ever bucket. I, I had Pete Evans on a picture on my vision board <laughs> just for a little while. But, um, yeah, I kind of like, you know, just I have, you have your own heroes up there. Yeah, and you do. We all, and, and, and Pete actually said when I got on the stage, he said, this is the true teacher. And I looked at him. Oh, Pete, wow. Said, yeah, but then I said to him, Pete, I'm still a student. Yeah. We will always be students and the person who thinks they know everything, they're the ones don't you shouldn't be listening to. Mm. It's the people who are still learning because there's no way we can know everything and we're all students, aren't we? Yeah. Like I know you are, Karen, you're a perpetual student. Totes. <laughs> Which is why you weren't there yesterday. You were obviously working. Mm-hmm. Well thought of. <laughs> How's it working out for you, the year of not working too much? <laughs> well, actually, as a matter of fact, I have to be honest, I did take the day off yesterday. I did a little bit of work on Saturday morning um, because the final pieces of my office came together on Saturday morning. But then um, Saturday afternoon and Sunday, I just crashed and burned, actually. <laughs> I what did you do though? Like, you know, there's a lot of people listening to this that crash and burn. Yeah. So, how did you, how do we tell people not to get to that point? Or if you do, what did you do? Well, I did get to that point and I kind of knew that it was going to happen purely because I have had so much on because we've moved into new offices and we've, uh, well, I can't even say it's a new office. It's a really old house that I've had to renovate mm-hmm. and then move all of my goodies into. So, um, I knew that it was going to, be a big time of the year and the final pieces came on Saturday morning and so I had to put all of that together and you know my uh, it was my it was for my library actually and um my library is enormous absolutely enormous so it took me about six hours to put my library together um and that was just epic but 
So what I did was I just gave in. I surrendered to it. And I thought, I'm not going to try and push through it. I'm not going to try and make myself do anything other than rest. So um, I am training for the Sunshine Coast Marathon right now. So I'm trying to really force myself to run, but I couldn't even do that. So, <laughs> so I slept in. Um, I didn't do terribly much. Uh, and then in the afternoon, I went and did some hill sprints on the beach. And that was actually really fun. I really enjoyed that. Um, that was really, really good, actually. And you get a great exfoliation for your feet when you do it bare feet on the beach. Can I just put that out there? My feet were quite rough and uncared for, and then I just powered through the sand. And my now feet, my feet feel fabulous and soft. <laughs> but I, but what I did, I went to the farmers market and I bought um, the most beautiful vegetables because I've been inspired by Cindy with your bone broths and all of that. And so I googled vegan bone broth. And I actually found some beautiful recipes with the primary ingredients being turmeric, ginger, olives, um, and seaweed. Olives? Olives. But you don't – so you can put the olive oil in, but I just threw the whole olives in, all different colored olives, all different sized olives. Um, I rinsed them from all the oils and I put them in and let them boil for two and a half hours along with all of my vegetables and my beautiful seaweed. And fresh turmeric, I bought the turmeric root and I ground that down and then I bought fresh ginger root and I ground that down and I like whole big lumps of them, big nuggets of them. And I put that into my vegetable broths and let it boil for two and a half hours and oh my goodness, unbelievable. Oh, I've got a taste of that one. And right at the very end, I stirred through miso um, for the um, fermented component of it. And, oh, my goodness, the chips. Oh, stop, stop. Spectacular. Do you know, it's amazing when you see somebody make these things, how much easier it is to do. Um, and that's, that's what I love doing is watching people, ma- you know, make these foods and to have a day of information on how to make them is just brilliant. Like you asked me, what did we do? Well, the first thing we did do was the broths and then the second thing was fermentation. Then we learned how um, to make breakfast, like very different breakfasts. And there were four breakfasts done. Then uh, the next thing was um, like using cauliflower instead of rice, so making a stir-fry cauliflower. There was also, what else did, What was after the stir-fry cauliflower? There were two dishes. Oh, making chicken um, muffins. Oh, my gosh, that was so cool. They I want were, to try those. They were amazing, the chicken muffins. And then... After that, we made uh, liver, anything to do with nose to tail, so using the liver and the kidney, either, or then how to make a pate. So, you know, it, was, it, it, it went through the old traditional ways of eating or the old traditional ways of cooking because tradition has always been done for a reason. And whether we know the reason why we do it or not, it's passed from generation to generation to generation. It's just that when science took over and thought that tradition was a waste of time and figured out a new way of doing things, that we started to have the problems. And so going back to our traditional ways uh, are wonderful. I I don't know if you know what I love that about you, Cindy. Have you noticed, Karen, whenever Cindy speaks... um, what I really love, because of probably your anthropological studies and the understanding of that, 
you don't lecture and preach just always about what people should eat. I love the way you always explain how things have evolved. But you, you all homage and reference and honour to our forefathers and foremothers. And that's one thing, and this is no disrespect to Australia, but compared to New Zealand, Australians do not honour the Aboriginals and their their Indigenous culture the way we do in New Zealand. And I appreciate that the Aboriginal was a wanderer or, you know, nomadic, a hunter-gatherer, hunter-gatherer. as opposed to the warrior of the Māori in New Zealand. But it just, I really would love to see more of that because the minute you start connecting into that heart and soul of what this country, oh, it actually just takes my breath away sometimes when I think about what this country, Australia, is about is... Yeah. is phenomenal and, and I love the way you always honour the land in that way with your talks and you did that beautifully yesterday. Oh good, I, I actually told a story and I don't know if I've ever told it on Up for a Chat. No, um, I think you should tell it. It's, oh, a, it's a, Yeah, it's a story, you, you've probably heard it Karen and in my talk, I do love to talk about it and like I... I became really interested in the Aboriginal culture, you know, a long time ago and bush foods and, and things like that. But it wasn't until I read the book, uh, The Dig Tree, that I understood the real importance of the survival of the Australian Aboriginals in this harsh climate. And one of the foods that the Aboriginals would eat in the central area of Australia near the Cooper River was a food called nadu. And nardu is a grass that's got a seed in it. And it, it could easily be like a wheatgrass that has the wheatgrass seed, but it, it's, it's called nardu. And the Australian Aboriginals traditionally have always, and, and they believe there's a 60,000-year um, basis to the Australian Aboriginals in this, on this land. So who knows when they figured this out? But it's obviously been something that they figured out. But they would collect the seed of the nardu, And in order to eat it, they would grind it, they would wash it, and then they would have to cook it. And then they were able to eat it. So when Australia was first settled by white man, there were many explorers. And one of the, or two of the explorers that we hear about were, which was a a fated expedition, were Burke and Wills. So Burke and Wills uh, had to go from Melbourne uh, back in 1800 and something, I can't remember when it was, all the way up to the Gulf. They wanted to put a telegraph through the the centre of Australia and they wanted to find the best route to it. So with a group of people, they they did this. They got back to uh, the Cooper River where the Aboriginals lived and they lived on the Nardu and the the fish and the kangaroo and the wallabies and the possum and all the traditional Australian foods. And they got back there and they had no supplies left. But they they did have water on the Cooper River and they did have meat and fish. I won't say chicken because probably no chicken there, but meat and fish, so uh, red meat and, and fish. Emu. Yeah. And they noticed that the Australian Aboriginals, and they were never interested in learning the culture of the Australian Aboriginal. They wanted to just conquer the land. Mm-hmm. And so they basically ignored them. And, but they did notice that they collected this plant So they knew that if they just eat meat and water that they would um, perish from scurvy. So they felt that the greens would give them the nutrition that they needed. So as well as eating the water and the meat, they would eat the nadu, but they didn't prepare it properly. And as legend would have it, it was always believed that Birkenwells died from water 
and uh, it's from lack of water and lack of food. But in actual fact, they had the water and they had the food. What they died from was an anti-nutrient in the NADU, which then um, caused them a B1 deficiency. That's what they died of in, in actual fact. But there was one other person called King in the group who joined the Aboriginals and he was rescued, I don't know how long after that. But, it, you know, this is what culture and tradition does. It's, it teaches us what foods are good for us and what are not good for us. And it's like the wheat grain at the moment. You know, why has everyone got a gluten intolerance? Is it because of the chemicals we've used, they've hybridised it, the way we consume it, we don't prepare it properly? Should we be grinding it on stone, not in metal? Should we be using it with the germ and the bran in it? Should we, when we make bread, be using a sourdough that goes for three days, not half an hour, with a yeast that's been made, like, back in the 1970s and 80s? So... Culture and tradition actually is done for a very good reason and it's survival for the most part. It's, it's our survival. I just love the way you talk like that. And I think for you, like even with, I know we started this off talking about bucket lists, but even you saying that now I, wanna, I really want to do something in the middle of this country, I really want to have a bucket list trip where we do, I would love to spend time in the Aboriginal culture oh, and to see what they do. Would you, oh. Karen? I could think of nothing more extraordinary. I don't want to eat the worms and I don't want to poo in a hole in the ground, but I definitely want to <laughs> I definitely want to experience the magic of the Aboriginal culture. I've got a really, really dear girlfriend of mine who is very connected to her own Aboriginal culture and her family. And um, to sit and talk to her about the stories and what they do and why they do it and the logic behind it and what they know that we're only just discovering now. Oh, my goodness. It just, you know, mesmerising. I think there would be nothing more exceptional than for us to do an Awaken the Change Within tour in the Outback. Well, I, I noticed Pete, yeah, Pete Evans did, um, Chef Pete Evans, who we were talking about in the beginning, he's doing a television show called The Paleo Way, I think it's called, and I know that, he went to a culture, I'm pretty sure it was him, or maybe I saw it on another television show. He went to a culture in far north Australia, and I don't know if it was the Kimberleys, the Northern Territory, or Queensland. I cannot remember where it was. But this is a culture that they are still hunters and gatherers. They were, you know, they're not the traditional hunters and gatherers that you would have seen in the 1920s where they didn't wear a stitch of clothing. They were slim muscly, amazing-looking people. They, now, these ones, they wear clothing and they do have homes up there, but they live off the land. And they were talking about the turtle and the, the spiritual and, and how they do it. And, and I seem to remember another one which was about the Inuits and their tradition of eating the whale and the spirituality behind catching that whale and what it means to them. So... Look, tradition, culture and tradition can teach us so much. We've just thrown it out the window. And even our young boys, um, we, they've lost their culture and tradition. Our, our fathers and sons don't do the culture and traditional initiations of the boyhood to the teenage, from the teenage to the, the, to the adult. And by losing those cultures and traditions around that initiation... I, I believe our boys are lost. I believe our young men are lost. And the, it, it's just shown with the suicide rate that we now see amongst these, 
these people. And once we start to get back and understand culture and tradition, and there is a, you know, there's something happening, there's an evolution happening, and watching, you know, Pete evolve and how he's evolved and his whole thing around culture and tradition, I, I believe that, you know, it's, it's a, at least a start. But, Karen, as I said before, is that I'm, I would like to see if you can put some light on these initiations that we've seen through cultures and why not doing it does it cause the problem that we now see amongst our, many of our, our youth? It's a really interesting question and I'm actually going to do some research on it because I think that I don't actually have all of the answers to it. All I can, all I can work with is, is what I know in terms of um, the evolution of the brain and the mind and culturally in the community. And really, you know, part of these initiations are all about the, a rite of passage and it's, it, it's a rite of passage for boys and a rite of passage for girls to get into their adulthood and to, to signify the, the transition between being a young child and being an adult with responsibilities change. And I think that by us not passing down those stories and not passing down those traditions anymore, I think the delineation for children or for, for, for us as evolutionary beings and expansive beings, the lines are getting very blurred. Like even if you look at it now, our young kids, now they don't leave home until they're 28 and 30. So technically that's kind of, you know, even just that, it's, it's, it's still blurring the lines that they're still heavily dependent. And from a, a mental and a psychological perspective, being dependent for that amount of time or having conflict as to whether you're independent or dependent because, you know, a lot of the kids that are staying at home, they're, they're wanting their independence but they're still dependent. Mm. E even that is still, you know, we're yet to see the ramifications of what that's going to mean for us culturally and from a society's perspective. But I think we can see it pretty clearly that, you know, the communication is slowed People's, you know, our younger kids' ability to fend for themselves and be independent is slowed. I think that, you know, what our ancient cultures or traditional cultures started with, I think it didn't come from nowhere. It came from somewhere. And even if, you know, we say that it's not relevant anymore, it still came from somewhere as a way of creating that delineation between being dependent and being independent and I think that's where the lines have been a little bit blurred. And I think, you know, you see the impact of that across all areas in a person's life. You see it in their work, you see it in their finances, you see it in their, their the, the way that they feed themselves and care for themselves or not. Uh, and I, I think that that's, uh, it can't not have an impact. Don't you think? Yeah, I, but, well, I think what you said is just so spot on because mm -hmm. I'm thinking about a woman and a, and a young girl. The delineation between her being a young girl and a woman mm -hmm. is her menstrual cycle seriously that's where you kind of mark that line well that's where it used to be marked and if you looked at the tradition of the red tent where you know their menstrual cycles worked together it was on the full moon they would go to the red tent for three days and then they would come out they would be away from the men and that was a real culture and tradition around the cycle and the sacred, uh, yeah, the sacredness of the cycle. These days, it's seen more of a menace as opposed to that that time in a girl's life. 
Plus the other thing is a lot of these girls uh, are, are cycling at nine years of age when they should be cycling 13, 14. And so that then blurs the line for a female because they're still babies at nine. They're not grown at nine. It's so true. Do you think, though, this is part of the Western culture where we're losing touch of, of that whole thing? I mean, I know for me when my girl started her cycle, it became a... I was so excited and we and we did a beautiful little our own little ceremony. We we celebrated it. It was to me it was a real crossing of the of of that place into womanhood and um I wasn't quite sure what to do with my son. Um you know, I did ask the odd question, um, are things happening and do we have <laughs> weird dreams? And oh, I've often wondered how that would go down. <laughs> oh, it's quite honest and open about everything. It's quite funny. Um but I wasn't quite sure what to do. I felt a bit kind of like as when he answered me quite as honestly as I answered him, I mean, asked him, what, how do we celebrate that? Um, um, okay. And That's I kind of looked hilarious at the well done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, you lamb shit. <laughs> oh, in those moments, you wish Danny was home, hey? <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Where's Danny? You know, I, I remember with my girls, I prepared them. So I created a kit for them. Mm-hmm. And I said to them, I have a kit for when you travel, you know, to your girlfriend's places. That, you know, they always used to go and stay at friends' places. And I have a kit for you to put in your locker. And, and I did a prepper, you know, I prepared them that this was going to happen and that I wanted them to be prepared and not um, be surprised by this whole notion. So I did it that way and then, you know, we celebrated that fact that they'd got their cycles. So I don't, like, I don't know how many other parents do it. Actually, it would be really interesting to ask anybody listening to this if they want to even private message us as to what was their celebration that they did with their girls did they celebrate? Was it an awkward um, moment? What what happened at that time? Because I'm sure there'll be an array uh, of people that will say things, and I think it'd be really good to do a podcast on it. Mm. As to these were the answers that we got from everybody about celebrating. Like I remember getting my cycle. I was very old, <laughs> a very old, and I was. Um, Away, and often young girls do get it when they're away. I was actually away on a farm with some friends, um, and it was just, yeah, just it was one of those things. And I don't remember my mum saying anything to me, or oh, my mum took me out for lunch. Um, you know, like we're talking about, we're kind of going, you know, a little bit away from our bucket list conversation, but there's a part of me that thinks, you know, wouldn't it be lovely from a bucket list point of view for young women and young men that there was some way that we, I don't know, did, did, did our old cultures have such things as bucket lists where they thought when you reached manhood, I mean, was that ever considered as part yeah. of, you know, like... What a brilliant question. Yeah. You know, culture and tradition, did they have bucket lists? Did they want to climb that mountain mm-hmm. that was in front of them? Did they want to be taken out hunting when they knew that they reached a certain yeah. age? And Maybe that was their bucket list, was culture and tradition. Because I tell you something, I was on the side of the mountain in the Himalayas when I went over there a couple of years ago and took my retreat to India, and I had the privilege of walking up the part of the mountain and 
I asked these beautiful local Indians, you know, what are their dreams? You know, what are they for? And, and do they get frustrated with the poverty of their country? And how hard is it? Because there's 400 million middle-class Indians. And they said the most beautiful thing. This is so amazing about the culture of India, but they were like, you know, we don't ever compare ourselves. I mean, this was these people talking, so I'm not maybe suggesting everybody feels the same thing, but these people said, look, part of our culture is we don't judge. We accept where we're at. So if we were born into poverty and we lived in the slums of Mumbai or, you know, if we were born into middle class or if we were born to the very elite and wealthy, we consider that part of God's choice and God's journey. And I'm assuming their gods would be around Hinduism or, or, or you know, Buddhism maybe or whatever it is that they follow but they said you know we don't they, I don't know if they think of it in bucket list terms it's more about an appreciation of where they're at and they trust that if they do the good things today and often if they honor their culture and their parents their upbringing and they honor the fact that they're not hungry and they honor all of that then their belief is that their next life mm -hmm. will be a greater gift and that they may be blessed to be born into middle class India or, or wealth or whatever it looks like for them or for some of them to play cricket for their country so it was very interesting um I, I wonder if some cultures and traditions even have bucket lists or whether they're more interested in just being in the now. I don't know. And that's that's a real possibility is being in the now. And we, you know, Karen, we talk about this all the time is, you know, being in the present, having a bucket list is perhaps not being in the present. But then I'm sure, like I, I'm thinking about the Aboriginal culture, you know, there were celebrations throughout the seasons when a certain tree turned, the eels would come up the river or when a flower came out, they knew a certain fish would be coming into the, like, further into So was that when they, you know, they had their celebrations? But, yeah, like, isn't that funny? This culture wants bucket lists and I bet they didn't have them. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? It's a whole, it's a whole set of questions now like it's a whole kind of rabbit hole it's really yeah. quite it's quite it's really quite fascinating isn't it who would have thought we would have gone down this path with bucket lists <laughs> really Did you say that on the computer because it's not seeing you live i, I I'm, I'm scared you're swearing um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but karen i'm wondering now here's another interesting thing to put to you both hmm. here we are in a western culture and one of our top Things that we've all said now on our bucket list is actually getting back to um, oh, yes. indigenous cultures like Machu Picchu and and the Aboriginal and and so is that an innate calling? To I get believe it is. Yeah, I do. I absolutely believe it is. And if you look at society at the moment, especially you know with what you've done, Cindy, and you know um, with the paleo movement. If you look at us culturally, we've kind of come full circle because we, we got totally enamored and totally lost in all of technology in the industrial era. And now we're looking for ways to come back to basics. I've been watching on, I've been watching on Foxtel a show called Off the Grid and OMG, like there are so many people who are actually trying to get lost and get out of the system and not be a part of the whole Wi-Fi revolution. Um, and it's almost as if there is an innate calling inside of us, calling us backwards. And I, and I, I just love that that 
is happening automatically and instinctively. I love that. I think that is just, and it's not something that we have to try to do or we even have to try and figure out. It's just something we have to answer the call to. And, and, And we can't not answer the call. It's happening automatically that these new waves and these new movements are coming in, but they're not coming in in the context of, well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that there is massive progress happening somewhere, but from an individual point of view, people are being asked to answer certain calls where it does bring them back to the very basics of life. You know, even just, even just the desire to declutter is kind of like, okay, enough stuff, give me less, less stuff, let me clean out my stuff. Like even that is a call to go back rather than continue the you know the accumulation of stuff. I think it's I think it's pretty bloody awesome actually. Just quietly saying, I agree with you. I want to ask you both then: How and do you and would you have more things on your bucket list? How do you create a bucket list? What makes you dream of doing Machu Picchu? What makes what is the thing that inspires us to want to even create a bucket list? Because you know, I always say to people that whenever I talk, occasionally I'll say things like, you know, for some of us in the room, we have the money and maybe the time to go on a world-class trip. We have we have time to, you know, we, we could go and do whatever it is that we wanted to have on our bucket list. But other people then limit themselves by thinking, oh, I could never do something like that or I never have enough time or I'll never have enough money. And my argument is always, well, you know what, it's never about time and money. It's about what prioritizes you. So so for some people, their bucket list might take them five years to create or it might take two years to create or 10 years to create. So what do you both think is your realm of what what is considered a bucket list and how do you both go about creating your own bucket lists? That's a very good question. Do you want to go first, Cindy? Yeah, because I... It's funny, I've never really had a written-down bucket list as far as uh, what I want to do. It's experiences. That's, that's what it is. It's what are the experiences that I want. And I've never really written it down, although, you know, when we talked about Machu Picchu, all three of us went, yes, we want to go there because that's a, a sacred healing place or there's a vibration there that is in all the sacred healing places around the world. And maybe what you were saying, Karen, there is this pull for many people to go to those, those places. But if I was to tell you my hopes and dreams, then I've written those down. And, and it's always been about what I want to achieve with changing habits as opposed to what I want to achieve as Cindy O'Meara by herself. Yeah, I, I, and, and, the, and I think about you know, Howard, and he is very much a person on the move. And I think about the 30 years with him that I have been to extraordinary places which I would probably have never been to. I probably would never have travelled around Australia for two years or, you know, gone to Africa, to Botswana, and this year we're off to Namibia, which freaks the hell out of me. But anyway, I'm going. (laughs) Wowza. That's brave. Yeah, just, you know, so, and... You know, the three of us saying, let's go to Machu Picchu. And I probably wouldn't have made Machu Picchu for quite a few years. Um, but the thought that we're going next year is is really, really exciting. So it's other people who propel me to do a bucket list for Cindy O'Meara 
but it's me who propels the bucket list for changing habits. Mm, and you, yeah, and but I do, you know, I have a vision for changing habits that's greater than me, far greater than me. And I, I and maybe I don't know, maybe they're the same. Maybe that bucket list is the same. I, I don't know. But here I am, you know, trying to come up with an answer. But I actually, you just confused me more, Karen. <laughs> I didn't ask the question, actually. It was Kim. <laughs> what do you do, Karen? Yeah. Um, and it is such a perplexing question, actually, because I've never stopped to think about it. I think um, I got inspired to go to Machu Picchu after I read The Celestine Prophecy because that was one of the first books that I read that started to open my eyes about spirituality beyond me and it was spirituality inside of a culture and the Mayan culture is um, you know what's well known for Peru and they talk about it a lot in the Celestine Prophecy and then that was like a you know and the Celestine Prophecy is written so beautifully it's a story that you dive into and a book you just cannot put down it's 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 one of those it's like juicy and meaty and it's just you can't put the book down so that really inspired me for Machu Picchu and the Inca Trail and um, the beauty of it. And you've only got to Google it to see the breathtaking experience that it is. So that was something that I wanted to do from way, way, way back when. But I think now, as I think about my bucket list and the things that I'd like to do, I think about myself as a person. I certainly have a bucket list of what I'd like to do with the business but what I'd like to do with the business, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, I don't tend to take such a long-term view with the business. Like I'll look at the business and I'll say, okay, well, what would I like to see achieved in the next, say, 12 months to five years? And I can get that much vision with it. But beyond that, I really don't see it. I can't see it. I can't envision it. And that used to really bother me, but it doesn't bother me now because I'm very much what's in the next three months, what's in the next three months, because I really only just take small bites with the business. And that seems to work for me. For me personally, for me uh, as Karen, I so will have my pilot's license within the next 12 months. Absolutely no question about that, but that's more short term. Are you flying us everywhere? Is that what we're going to start doing? Girlfriend, stop it. (laughs) absolutely at the moment I've had um, a bunch of flying lessons in helicopters because I so love the helicopters but I'm going to go and get another bunch of flying lessons in fixed wing planes which is like a normal plane just so that I can see which one I prefer because originally it was just helicopters but now I'm kind of you know I'm a bit torn between the Tory but yes I'm going to I'm getting my commercial pilot's license so yes I can fly people around um yeah, so I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to that. I'm really excited about that. I really want to do more travel with Matt. Um, I want us to go and experience all outrageous, adventurous things. I don't just want to travel. I mean, of course, it will be five-star, but I do just want I want to go and have adventures. <laughs> we are not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think I really want to... You know, for me, my biggest thing is leaving a legacy. And I think that's my ultimate on my bucket list. And when I think about what inspires me, and that's really where I go to figure out my bucket list or the things that are important to me, 
I ask myself, what inspires me? Like what would make my life worth living? And it might change from day to day or month to month or year to year. But for me, one thing that has been consistent over the last five years, and it has never changed, and that is to um, move the hearts and minds of millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people worldwide. Just throw in another million. Why not? Go for the billion. Yeah, okay, let's go <laughs> billions and billions and billions and billions of people. And it comes from a place of, um, I, I, I honestly, I almost can't put my finger on it because as soon as I think about it, I almost feel like I could sob. And it comes from a place of, of um, absolute surrender, like um, uh, giving, you know, like I'm not doing it from a place of making money and I'm not doing it from a place of wanting to be famous. It's... It's, it's from not those places. So whatever not those places is, that's where it's coming from. I don't even have an explanation for it because it feels like it comes from the deepest seat of my soul. And this year, um, after we just completed the wellness breakthrough, and this is the little piece of surprise that I was going to share with you girls, we did a breakout session at the wellness breakthrough uh, that us three girls attended a couple of weeks ago. And in the breakout session, all of the speakers went to separate rooms and um, I had my room and there were about 16, 17 people in my room with me the whole time throughout the breakout session. And they didn't want to go to morning tea, after afternoon tea. So we kept talking through the afternoon tea. They didn't want to, they didn't mind not, you know, missing the first part of the next session. They just wanted to stay in the room and get complete on what we were talking about. And it was extraordinary to me. Um, I do that kind of work one to many in my Mindset Mastery and my Inner Circle events, which are, you know, very exclusive events and not available to the public. But it never occurred to me to actually take that style of um, communication to the general public where these people walked into the room and they had their questions and I said, I'm all yours, I'm open, nothing's off limits, ask me your questions and I'll work through them with you. And we had questions after questions after questions about my marriage, my relationship, how do I stop my thoughts, my head's so busy, how do I, how do I be single and be happy, what's the point of being in a relationship? You know, there were all of these questions that came up and the people who left Everybody who left had mascara running down their faces. Their eyes were bloodshot and red. <laughs> and it was, it was moving for all of us. And I didn't realize the extent to which those kind of sessions are transformational for everybody in the room, even if they didn't ask, ask a question of their own. So yes, I, I happened to be just a little way away from the door and this girl comes out crying her eyes out and I just looked at her and I said, you're with Karen, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> We've been there. We've been there. <laughs> it, it, was, it, was, it was transformational for me. You know, I really went there for my own personal breakthrough and I really got it. I really, really got it. And the, the messages and the phone calls and the emails that I've had from every single one of those people in the room since the breakthrough has um, it's, it's, it's been beyond my comprehension. And I know that 
that's something that really makes me happy is to be able to be like to be sitting down rather than primped and proper and in high heels with big hair and all of that I, to be to just be sitting down and to be in the vulnerability of humanity with other people where we're all transported to a oneness and I know that probably sounds a little bit out there but that's really how I felt and so I decided that I was going to do a world tour starting this year of that kind of delivery and I'm working with a couple of different people at the moment to bring that to life but I'm, I'm initially I thought it would start in September but this morning I woke up and I went no it's actually not starting in September it's starting in June or July so that's wow. that's next on my radar and I feel really excited about it I feel really really excited about it and of course everything will be recorded everything will be transcribed it will all be you know um, accessible afterwards and it's going to be so cheap it's going to be so so cheap so that everybody and anybody can come so um, what are you calling it Karen well I've been thinking that I was just going to call it Karen's couch on tour um, everything that's life love mindset and miracles um, is kind of my could theme. be Karen's bus <laughs> mm, could be Kat, could be could be <laughs> But the, the way that I picture it is just the big couch on the la- on the on the stage there with beautiful flowers and um, a beautiful couch for somebody who's got a question and then they come up and sit on the couch and we we chat and then the next person comes up and asks a question the next person the next person the next person the next person because I think one of the big things that I've noticed with my high end events is that everybody wants to have their questions answered and of course in the high end events we can do that because you know it's we've got the time. You know, and I think that's, and Byron Katie is like that, and I think mm. when people get to transform their own selves, like you said, even if it's not you up there, you get, to, there's a part of you that grows and learns from that as well. And, and it's funny you should say that because on the weekend I, I just had the graduates come through my first program and and I did not know how to articulate in words what our program gives to people and I got I just want to share with this with you guys if you don't mind but I just think it sort of captures things so beautifully when you get something like this you know I came for education on oils and how to use them for the facts I wanted to know how to reduce the chemicals in my environment in addition to food that's what I came for and that's what I got but oh my gosh I actually got that times by my one million I was lovingly invited down a path to self-care. I was empowered by my preconceived ideas about myself and others. This course gave me what I wanted, but more importantly, what I needed, to love myself actually truly so I can offer that to my world. The oils are just the tangible vehicle that deliver the messages we have learnt. The power and enormity of this is still sinking in and being discovered. This course already enhances every area of my life. And I realise everything is perfect and perfectly perfect. Thank you. And I, I read there was email after email like that, and and you've just tapped on it. And I know Cindy does this with her courses, and maybe Cindy's area is food, and maybe Karen, your area is speaking and and mindset, and mine is the tangible things of oils and 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 chemical free skincare. But Pete Evans said something on stage yesterday when the question was asked from the audience, 
how do I look after and what is all of your thoughts around food issues? So, so um, th- you know, mental illness and illnesses around food. It was like um, anorexia nervosa and, and believing and disorders. Eating disorders. Yeah. And, and Libby answered it so oh, beautifully beautiful. where she actually said and, and said it very, very passionately, I stand here as a doctor and who, you know, consulted for over 14 years as well but she just said at the end of the day I have to say this to you it's nothing to do with the food Mm. and everything to do with experience and life and upbringing and and circumstance and pain basically any food disorder is related to pain in one's life and when she kept sharing that everybody just the the room the pin Mm. a pin could have dropped Mm. and then beautiful Pete brought it back and said it's easy for me to stand up here and say and talk the food the food is the tangible ritual or the tangible experience we all have but fundamentally under the paleo way and, and I'm saying fundamentally under speakers fast track and fundamentally under the changing habits nutrition program and under the health and lifestyle education program of 28 fundamentally actually what is underneath it is the essence of self-love well done and self-respect you know when he was saying it I and we always come back to this don't we it's about that respect for that that body that you have for the mind that you have that the life that you've been given for the earth that we've been um, graced with for the sun that you know helps us live uh, and anything beyond it and and then I guess in the end it's gratitude mm. after that self-respect you have absolute gratitude and I think it's really important that I've just had an aha that in fact that's what Machu Picchu that's what being out in the middle of nowhere where you get to be with you and all your beauty and all your concerns and all your pains and all your vulnerabilities and you get to just be then there is no other feeling, even sitting in that room with your beautiful people, Karen, the transformation, that that feeling in that moment is actually being at one with source, with with the universe. That's that's really what that is. Mm. Karen, do you want to talk about um, Machu Picchu and, and just Oh now that's a bit exciting. Okay, let's do that. Because really that's what a bucket list is, isn't yeah. it? It's getting to that feeling. And that's why we all yeah. decided to do Machu Picchu, wasn't it? It's the experience, the feeling, the... The connection. The connection, um, going back to understanding. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, it's everything we've been talking about has now connected back to that's why we have a bucket list. Oh, my gosh, I love how we do this. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, too, I'm just looking at this picture of Machu Picchu and I think, too, you know, to be on such sacred grounds as well, I think that's going to give us a whole otherworldly experience of really what a bucket list is really, you know, to help create. It's a sense of achievement and, yes, I've done it and I can do it and we've done it together. And it's also about, well, you know, I'm, I'm more than just, I'm more than just um, somebody who goes to work every day comes home, has dinner, goes to bed, gets up in the morning, brushes my teeth, goes to work, comes home, has dinner, goes to bed, get up in the morning. You know, more than that. Mm. Um, so, okay, so Machu Picchu, we've got 
and it's really quite exciting. So it's going to be in 2016. It's, we, we're leaving on the, we've, we've got all the dates and everything confirmed now. So it's the 21st of May we leave and the 3rd of June we get back. Now that's for the first tour, but we're actually thinking we'll do two tours, aren't we? Yeah, because we've nearly booked out our first one. We have. We've got we've got two spots. Well, actually, potentially only one spot left on that first tour. So we so we're thinking we may do a second group that goes from the fourth of June to the fourteenth of June, two thousand and sixteen. Now, if we can get enough people, I mean, if there's enough people out there who actually want to come with us and hang. With us, wait till you hear the itinerary, but go out and buy the Celestine Prophecy. If you have not read that book, read that book. Um, so maybe we might find that there's enough people who want to join us. And each We can only have 13 people in each group. So they're not huge to walk the Inca Trail because we're staying, oh my goodness, we are staying in the most exclusive little lodges and we have the lodges all to ourselves. And there's two people to a room and they're these beautiful stone lodges that are just perched on the tops of mountains looking out to the most extraordinary views. It'll just be covered in cloud and they call it the ghosts of Machu Picchu. So there's this haunting feel along the Inca Trail um, that these little lodges are perched in the middle of and it's just, oh, it's breathtaking. So we're going to arrive in Lima Everybody flies into Lima um, and we have a couple of days in Lima just to get over the jet lag because it's going to be a pretty big tour. I think it's about 20 hours of flying all up, maybe 22 hours of flying all up. So it's a big flight and we're flying Qantas. So it's a safe flight. Um, so we've got a couple of days in Lima where we're just going to be doing a little bit of sightseeing around Lima. It's a really cute, eclectic little area in South America. And then we fly from Lima to Cusco in Peru, where we will have a couple of days to acclimatize in Cusco, because Cusco is um, really high altitude. So the body is going to need a little bit of adjustment time there. But while we're there, mm -mm, mm -mm, we're doing the Sacred Valley full day tour. And you want to see the photos. Oh, my God. We are so meditating. We are so meditating our way through the Sacred Valley. Can I just put that out there? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. And then we, we explore a little place called the Pisac Valley. And the Pisac Valley is um, it's a beautiful trail that winds uphill for about two hours. So we'll have plenty of time and it takes us to the most extraordinary views, these snow-capped peaks. Um, and then we come down the other side of the Viasha community where we're going to go and have lunch and have a look at the restored Inca Trail. So it's absolutely, oh, the history and the, the oh, my goodness, I, I just get excited. And then we start the trek. And then we start the trek and we trek through the Inca Trail and it's, you know, through, the, through Machu Picchu and the sanctuary, the Machu Picchu sanctuary and the sites and the ruins of the Mayans and the Incans. Oh, would you just stop? And that's where we're going to go and stay in each of the little lodges. And then we wind our way back and we come back into Cusco. And we've got a couple of days in Cusco. And then we fly back to Lima. And then we've got a day in Lima to wind down before we fly home um, back to Australia. So it's about 11 to 12 days of 
the whole tour and then we've got um, we lose a day in flying time. So we'll be back on the 3rd of June for the first tour and then the second tour will be back around the 14th of June, maybe 15th of June. So it's just it's just it's just a breathtaking trip and I think we should tell everybody the price. What do you girls think? Or should we yeah. leave that as a surprise? Sure. Oh, I think if anyone's interested, they could email you personally. Yeah. Well, we have had lots and lots and lots of emails come through, but I think there's. I think it's worth telling everybody. I think it is. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I'm agreeing. Yeah. yeah, totally. I think I was meaning email you for the itinerary and oh. everything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the price of the tour with us for the whole, I think it's about, lands up being about, 12 days all up maybe 13 days all up um is five uh, 15995 and there's a $2000 deposit to secure your space and then we just pop you onto a payment plan so um we work out whatever the payment plan needs to be in order for you to have everything paid uh 3 months beforehand because everything's got to be paid up like all the deposits and all that are going to be paid now. But as far as the tour company and the airlines, everything's going to be paid in full three months before we fly. So I work out that payment plan with you and that just happens on a direct debit basis. So if anybody is keen to come, you know, we've got nine spots on the second tour and we've got potentially just one spot on the first tour. So if you guys want to come, email me at info at karensmith.com. Send me the info, send me your email and I will send you back the spectacular itinerary where you can read everything and see everything for yourself, where we're going to be and what we're going to do. And then we're also going to shout you guys to the most extraordinary dinners and the most extraordinary cultural experiences while we're there. So it's going to be a full on 12 day immersion, um, Cindy O'Meara style, Kim Morrison style and Kaza style. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so email me, info at karensmith.com, and I'll send you all the information that you need to help you make a decision that's a no-brainer. So if you've had Machu Picchu on your bucket list, come with us. It would be far much. It would be so much more fun. Far <laughs> more fun. Don't you think? Oh, I can't wait, sweetheart. I, we, no, we're both we're shaking our head. We can't wait. Thank oh. you. Oh, can't wait, can't wait. Okay, well, um, that brings us to the end of the podcast, you know, girls. Mm, what, a, what a journey. What a bucket list is almost like returning to source. Mm. It's finding one's true self. That's what bucket list. Oh, my gosh. Mm. And I love the movie, that movie with Jack um, Nicholson and oh. I know, it was just that beautiful. Yeah. Oh, just beautiful. Who was the other guy in there? Um, uh, Morgan, Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Morgan, Morgan Freeman. Freeman. Yeah. Favourite. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, watch that movie if you haven't watched that yet. Mm-hmm. So go to our Facebook page at allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat and post all of your comments about today's podcast. Any questions that you've got, stick it on the Facebook page and we will absolutely get back to you. You can also post your comments at allthews.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. And we really want to hear from you guys. Tell us about what's on your bucket list. What have you been dreaming about doing? What would make you feel like a real return to self where it's just about you and it's just about you feeling like your life here is fulfilled? What's that for you? Tell us about it. Share it. 
And, you know, the more people who share, it kind of gives permission to everybody else to say, well, you know, I can stretch myself a little bit too. And it's not about goals. This is about what would make you feel exceptional about yourself. It's not about achieving anything or getting money or anything like that. It's just about finding and being with yourself. What are those things? So make sure you post on our Facebook page and also on thewellnesscouch.com. And join us here next week for more of the same magic on Up For A Chat where you get to be part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. And we are going to love seeing you on the Inca Trail. (laughs) Bye for now, everybody. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.